I really enjoyed this chat. Terry McMullen is the host of the What's the Value podcast and has spent the last 10 years studying philosophy, cognitive psychology and social psychology to try and figure out what really makes humans act and behave the way we do. Terry says, I want to understand at first principles level why I think what I think and believe what I believe. And this plays into our productivity a lot if we can kind of analyse ourselves and decide uh, where we struggle um, and where we can improve ourselves can certainly help our productivity. So this week, we're going to be digging into self-analysis and self-awareness. Scary topic. We're going to be examining our own behaviours, learning how to do this and what to do when we find things that we don't like. This was a great chat. Check out the links in the show notes. Subscribe if you enjoy the pod. Let's get to it. Hi, Terry. Hey, John. Thanks for doing this. I, I Sorry to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're going to be talking about self-analysis and, and self-awareness. This is going to be a terrifying podcast. I may. <laughs> I wish I could disagree, but it can be a scary topic. It can, can't it? Because you can, if you analyze yourself a little bit too much, you you might find things that you don't quite like. It's usually the case. Yeah. It's usually why we don't want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you what, without further ado, um, let me give you 30 seconds to tell everybody who you are and what you do starting about now. Perfect. So I'm Terry McFarlane. Uh, I run a company called Streetwise Lab, where I actually try and teach students how to do this exact thing, how to think, how to be self-aware, how to question themselves. Um, I've worked in the business world for a long time, went to Harvard Business School, um, was in corporate strategy, management consulting, where I got to see up close and personal people trying to figure this out um, and the struggles that were there. So spent a lot of time trying to improve myself, uh, trying to learn how to be more self-aware, and now I'm trying to hopefully help others do the same. Fantastic. That's pretty good, though. <laughs> right in under the buzzer. Uh, where's your website? Where can we find you? Uh, yes, yeah, so streetwiselab.com is the business, and um, What's the Value podcast is also a podcast that I do, which is having these same type of conversations. Um, so What's the Value podcast on Instagram? You can I'll put some links in the show notes and folks Appreciate can it. tap on those. When I was reading your bio, uh, there was a line in there which said, um, therefore, we all have a responsibility to challenge ourselves, question our beliefs and try to identify those blind spots. Why do you think we find self-analysis really difficult? Yeah, I think there's there's layers to it. You, you touched on one already, John, which is that sometimes when you do that, you find things, you know, inconvenient truths about yourself or about life that that you, you wish you didn't know or, or didn't mm. find. And, and that's certainly a big part of it. But I think there's a layer even before that of what makes this so difficult. I, I have a belief that our minds are, I wouldn't say they're broken, but they're fundamentally not designed to be able to do this type of work. Mm. Um, so what, what I mean by that is when you think about a blind spot, let's just take that word, it means it's something that you can't see. So in effect, yeah. you're asking your mind to do something that's almost impossible. You're asking it to see something that it's not designed to be able to see. Um, so much of our lives and the way in which we think and function, our mind is telling us stories and creating narratives about what's happening, why it's happening, how we feel about it, all these different things. And in many ways, you're trying to pierce through that. You're trying to get mm -hmm. an objective view of what's really there, but our minds can't help but work subjectively. So you're trying to do something that in many ways is very, very unnatural. I often compare it to, um, it's kind of a silly example, but hmm. if, I, if you ask somebody to hold their breath right now, and you yeah. say, hold your breath for as long as you possibly could, um, eventually you'd hit a point where your, your brain started to tell you, like, you absolutely cannot hold this any longer. You have to let go. You have to breathe. It's almost physically impossible to hold your breath any longer. 
I think trying to identify your blind spots and actually see them is a similar sensation. It, it, it has to feel like it's almost literally impossible for you to do. Yeah. And by nature, we don't want to do that type of work that feels that hard and difficult. Do you think we need to kind of like almost step outside of ourselves so that we can see ourselves? You do. You do. That's exactly the right phrase. Mm. It's just a question of how, how do we do that, right? Because that's one of the things. So I'm very big into philosophy, yeah. uh, obviously psychology, cognitive psychology. And a lot of people hear phrases like that and they say, like, I, I understand what you're <laughs> yeah. saying. But what does that actually mean? mean yeah, how do I yeah, actually yeah, yeah. step outside myself? What does that actually look like? And I wish there was a simple magical answer to it, but I think it's just practice. It's, it's, I think it starts with an ultimate level of um, humility to say the things that my mind is telling me, the things that I believe to be true, I have to have a healthy level of skepticism that says I'm not actually sure that any of those things are true. I'm humble enough to believe that I don't actually know anything for certain. And if you start with that baseline and you're willing to question anything and everything, it's not a guarantee that you'll get there, but it gives you a chance. For me, it's all about odds. I want to increase the odds that if I do have a blind spot, if I do have a bias, if there is something that I'm missing, increase the odds that I'll actually be able to see it. And it's impossible to do that if you think there's certain aspects of your life or with things that you believe hmm. that are just untouchable. They're absolutely true. So I think it starts by accepting the idea that nothing is absolutely true, which starts yeah. to sound a little bit, <laughs> yeah. some people a little bit out there, but yeah. to me, it's the most logical way to approach it. Yeah. Do, do you think most of us look at ourselves in slight rose-tinted glasses in a way. I mean, I don't necessarily mean in the sense, because like everybody will kind of like look at themselves in the mirror and then say, oh, I could use, use, lose a few pans here and there. But yeah. we're talking about our, our behaviour, our personalities, how we speak, how we behave. Do you think we, we think we look through rose-tinted glasses and think we're all great at it? Yeah, it's, 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 I would put a little bit of a twist on that. I think mm. if you think about the mechanics of how we make decisions, because that's really what we're talking about, yeah. right? If it's a decision that leads to an action or just a belief that we have about ourselves or something else, almost by definition, when we make a decision, we believe it's the right decision, right? We yeah. have to, otherwise we would do something differently. So yeah. when our minds are kind of going through that process and we come to a conclusion, we can't help but believe that is the true, actual right conclusion. So when we look at our lives, when we look at ourselves, I don't know that it's necessarily rose-colored glasses as much as we just give ourselves too much credit that the analysis we've done, the decision-making process we've gone through has been thorough enough, has been objective enough, has been rational enough that whatever conclusion we've come to is right, right? Because if we thought it was wrong, we would, we would change it. So it's almost very, I, I think of things very mathematically. So I think of it very mathematical in that way. Like we, to us, two plus two equals four. It has to equal four. Mm, yeah. right? There's no question about it. So it's not just like a rose-colored view of it. It's almost an absolute certainty that, yeah, I, my mind is telling me this is true. I feel that it's true. Therefore, it must be true. And that stops us from questioning it. Um, there's certain things, obviously, that we can look at and we believe. Yeah, I could lose a few yeah. pounds. And that's very yeah. easy for yeah. us to believe that. But the yeah. deep-rooted stuff is much, much harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you think we need to like, almost take the emotion out of it? Yeah, to an extent, to an extent, I, you know, there's a lot of really good psychology and research that says uh, one, one of the best ones I heard is people say that emotions are like, um, like the, the thing on your dashboard in the car, like yeah, it gives you yeah. a little alarm or a note if you know, your, your oil is running low, or yeah. there's something going wrong. So I think emotions are a really valuable indicator of what may be happening. But it's that same concept of you can't take emotions and just assume that they're 100% true. The way sure. I often like to say it is like earn your emotions. And by that, I mean, if you feel an emotion, do the work to understand why is that emotion coming up? What's underneath it? What's really going on? Question it, examine it, and understand what it's telling you. And then you can act from there. I think when we try and just dismiss emotions or completely eliminate them, which, which seems rational and logical, it seems like that's how we can be objective. 
we're actually not being objective. We're actually not yeah. looking at everything as clearly as we can be. It's the ability to take those emotions, feel them, and actually make sense of them and understand why they're there. Yeah. Again, a really hard thing to do, but I think emotions still have to be part of that equation. Yeah, there's been a little bit of a trend, I think, over the last, I don't know, maybe five or ten years or something, probably ten, ten years more, I, w- I would think, of kind of like what I call the, the Mark Zuckerberg effect, where mm. where, where you, you come and, and I get, I have meetings with folks and it's just like having a meeting with a robot because the emotions are taken out of it. That's going a little bit too far, isn't it? I think so. I think so. I mean, for me, it, I, so I do this show, What's the Value podcast, and, and I ask everybody that I talk to, you know, what's the value that's most important to you and kind of guides your life? So I think it does have to start with what, what's the value? What's, it, what's life about yeah. for you? What are you yeah. trying to achieve? What are you all yeah. trying to get to? I think some of the people that you're speaking about, that kind of Zuckerberg effect, Perhaps they've thought through it and they've come to a conclusion, but if, if they're trying to just build the best company in the world, yeah. if they're trying to just be as rich as they can be or be most successful, perhaps pulling the emotions out may help. Maybe that allows you to get from point A to point B quicker. It allows you to achieve that. For me, it's always much deeper than that. There's more to life than just that. And sure. That, with that view, you kind of have to have emotions. Yeah, yeah. I, I spoke to someone oh, a few weeks, months ago or something who, who, who didn't even want, want to say good morning in a meeting because it was inefficient. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's kind of like where the self-awareness, you need to look at yourself and understand that just saying good morning to someone is not inefficient. It actually helps. Well, let's take that example, John, because mm. I think that's an interesting one, right? Because mm. you could, you, let's say that person was here and we were having a conversation with them. I think in their mind, they would say, well, no, I think you're just kind of abiding to some social norm and you're actually being inefficient because it's not, you know, what's the point of that? It doesn't mean anything. Let's just get to the meeting and move forward. And that's where I would ask them that question. Like I always do like, well, okay, but what are you actually trying to achieve? What's what's the goal in this? And perhaps they've actually thought through it and they've realized that for them, it doesn't bring them more joy, fulfillment, happiness, you know, whatever we want to put on it to form relationships, to connect with people, to find out, you know, if they're having a good morning or not. For them, it's success. It's achieving things. It's whatever. So it's possible for them that actually makes sense. And I think that's part of this self-awareness too. It's also being aware of how we react to other people because it's very easy to just to assume, oh, that's that's wrong. They're doing this the wrong way. That self-awareness to understand and accept, maybe for them, that makes sense. We may disagree with it. Maybe we can have a conversation and understand it better. But perhaps for them, they've actually really done the work and thought through it. And yeah. that makes most sense for them. That's interesting because, I mean, kind of like if you're in a leadership role, for example, you're having a meeting and you don't say good morning, you then make everybody underneath you feel as if you just don't give a crap about them. Yeah. And, and maybe that's how you want them to feel. Maybe yeah, you maybe. feel like that's maybe. the most efficient way to get to where you want to get to. And that's where I would say, like, I, I so philosophy, right? That's kind of my mm. guide. Yeah, there's, yeah. Very, there's very few straight, absolute answers in that, if any at all. <laughs> So that's where I would say, as long as you've done the work, right? If you want to go into that meeting as a business leader and not say good morning and make people feel like they're on the firing line at all times and high pressure and pushing people, if you've really honestly, objectively thought through that and understood the implications of it, why you're doing it, if it's actually helping you get to the outcome you want to get to, Mm. right? And you feel like that's the right way to move forward. Okay. I think most people in that situation to where we were before when you were mentioning the rose colored Mm. glasses, they assume, well, this is what I believe to be true. Therefore, it must be true. And they assume they've done enough work to actually question it. But that questioning, right? Remember holding Hmm. your breath. If it doesn't feel painful and almost impossible for you to question that belief and actually consider that there might be another way, then you haven't dug deep enough. You haven't questioned enough. I think too many people stop at that surface level and give themselves credit for doing the work when they haven't actually done it yet. And then they move forward with this confidence and certainty. And that's where you can start to harm other people, harm yourself, harm your objective or whatever it is you're trying to work towards. 
One of the things to do on the pod is ask the same three questions to everybody. And uh, the first one is, what is your number one productivity tip? The kind of like the one thing which you would you would say to everybody. So I, I use a little framework that I use for things like this. Um, cool. I, I call it objective reality action. Um, so for me, if I'm trying to be productive in whatever it is I'm trying hmm. to do, I'm trying to start a business, I'm trying to whatever it is, doesn't matter, yeah. right? Be a better dad. Um, my first goal is to have a really honest conversation with myself about what's my actual objective. Yeah. Why do I want to create this business? What am I hoping to achieve? What is it that I truly want to get to? Because again, many people will say, well, I want to be rich or I, you know, yeah. I want to sell my company off. Well, why? Why do you want to do that? What's the actual objective that's driving you, right? So you have to figure that out first. The second step, which is usually the one that most people skip over is what's the actual reality of this situation? And by that, it could be, I have no money. <laughs> I have no <laughs> skills to do this, right? It could yeah. be in that vein. But more likely yeah. the harder stuff accepting the reality is the stuff about yourself. Like for me, for example, I've had to accept that I tend to be very lazy. Like I, I don't always have as much ambition and drive as I'd like to have. And for a long time in my life, I didn't want to admit that. I wouldn't mm. accept that reality. So I might have an objective of starting a business and being successful, but I didn't want to accept that reality. And I jump right to the next step of action. Yeah. And I would start moving forward and I'd create a website and an email and start doing yeah, yeah, all these things, yeah, yeah. not being honest with myself about how lazy I am. Yeah. So I think that that reality piece gets to a lot of what we're talking about of self-awareness and being honest and what's the reality of this situation. And once you identify that, then you can take the rational actions to actually get to where you want to get to, which is maybe I need to hire a co-founder that actually yeah. can do some of this work that I can't do. Sure. Maybe I need a coach to help push me through this. Maybe I need to get more mentally tough and find a way to build that those things first rather than just jumping into actions of starting the business. So that framework for me has always led to the most efficient path because it's about clarity. I want clarity on myself, what I'm doing, the actions I'm taking, and that helps me get that so that therefore I can be more productive. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So we've kind of touched on it, but how, how do you think being more self-aware and, and kind of like doing a bit of self-analysis, how do you think it can make us become more productive? And, and, and when I say productive, I don't necessarily just be, mean doing more stuff faster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. well, it gets back to that objective, right? Productive means there's, there's yeah. by definition, there's something you're trying to get to. to, to what actually yeah. helps you get to that point in the most efficient, effective way that you can, right? Um, I, I'll come back to that clarity piece. I, I think for me, it's like, imagine you're, you're driving somewhere, right? And your mm. windshield is covered up with, with gook and mud and sit and dirt and all this yeah. stuff on the windshield. Um, it's going to take you longer to get to wherever you're trying to get to because you just can't see clearly. You don't know exactly what's in front of you. You don't know what you're missing and what you're not seeing. So I think being self-aware just gives you the clarity to understand what's actually in front of you, what actually are the challenges, what are the things at your disposal, so that you can actually take all that in and make the decision mm. or take the actions that are most efficient to get you where you want to get to. It's kind of like throwing darts in the dark when you don't have self-awareness. You think you know something, you think you believe this might mm. actually help or this might get you to the right place, but you don't really know for sure. So self-awareness just kind of shines light on all that and lets you know what you're dealing with so that you can actually take those rational actions. It's very, very in my view, it's very, very hard to actually be productive, yeah. to yeah. be efficient if you don't have that. Yeah. Is this why we think of it as, as a little bit woo-woo, sort of like analyzing yourself and all this sort of thing? Do it, because it's really freaking hard to do. I think so. I think, yeah. I, well, I think it's partially because it's hard to do and we look for excuses not to do hard things. Yeah. So if we can say that's just woo-woo, we can throw that out. Yeah. I also think it's, um, it's kind of the, the general point on cliches, right? Cliches get a bad rap, but at yeah. the end of the day, they're cliches because they're true. A lot of the things that it takes to be self-aware, it's like we've said in this conversation, they sound weird. They sound strange. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to really get to know yourself. You have to have honest conversations with yourself. Yeah. Um, you have to kind of see your blind spots. A lot of people hear that and it just sounds like jargon. It just yeah. sounds like cliches that don't mean anything. So we've started to discredit them. 
But what you find is most of the wisdom in the world, right, that's out there, it's not rocket science. It's not something that we would be shocked no. to hear. It's, it's stuff that we kind of know intuitively, but actually doing it, executing it, mm. that's the really hard part. And that comes back to where I think you were, John. I think mm. there's two parts to self-awareness. One is the ability to you know, ask the questions, understand. It's almost like an intellectual capability to follow the logic and see what's there. But then there's like a mental toughness. There's yeah. an ability to actually accept what you find, to take actions and make changes on it. And that part probably is as hard, if not harder, than the first part of just asking the questions, you know? Yeah, it kind of brings me on to the next question. Do you think we make a lot of excuses for our behavior? One of my favorites, and I've heard it throughout my life and I love it, is when somebody always says to you, I speak my mind. You, you know, I always speak my mind, which, which I all, and then the person always, always is rude or ignorant or arrogant. <laughs> or It's just like an excuse for being a rude person. They, they know they're rude. Yeah. Uh, so they say this as an excuse to kind of like almost tell you it's okay. Why yeah. do we do this? Why do we do this? It's, 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 to me, it's all, it's all a game to, to, to make life easier for ourselves. Like we're trying yeah. to make life the path of least resistant and, and as smooth as we can go. So if our natural nature is to speak our mind or just be rude or be blunt, be, be very direct, be insensitive to people's feelings, what, I, what our mind wants more than anything is, is what I would call like a cognitive out, something that allows yeah. us to believe that's okay. I don't have to change anything. I don't have to do any more work. I don't have to do anything different. And this, it's a beautiful point, John, because I think it ties back to where we were before about what makes this so hard, right? Like mm. our, our mind genuinely believe, it wants to believe that is true. Like, oh, that's it. That's the reason yeah. I need it because I just, I speak my mind. So it's yeah. all okay. I don't have to question this anymore. I don't have to look at it any further. I can just leave it as it is and I don't have to go. And it's almost like we're playing this game of chess against our mind. Mm. And that's where that healthy skepticism comes in. You can never believe that first view. So you, as soon as you tell yourself, well, I just speak my mind, right away, you have to interrogate that viewpoint. You have to interrogate that belief yeah. and say, is that true? Like, how, how do I actually know that is true? How would it look different if I was just being a jerk versus just yeah. speaking my mind? Can I tell the difference between those yeah. two things? When you yeah. start to push yourself in that way and kind of play that game of chess with your mind, you start to eliminate those cognitive outs. Those easy outs start to fade away and you have to be more honest with yourself. Yeah, yeah. because I've I got to admit, I mean, I'm old, so I've come across like lots of different folk over, over the years. And like, it's always red alert when somebody says to you, before you've even started having a conversation about something, and they say, by the way, you know, just to warn you, I speak my mind. <laughs> it's <laughs> like it. red alert. And I, I, I can genuinely tell you that I've turned down work because of that, because I know that the job, would be a freaking nightmare. Yeah, yeah. And mm. to me, it comes back to the root of self-awareness. I, I think mm. what you're experiencing that, John, is that that's a sign to you right away that this person probably isn't very self-aware. They're probably not. And that's the crazy thing about it because they might say back to you, no, 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 I'm very self-aware. That's mm. why I told you I speak my mind. I know that about yeah. myself. And that goes back to those layers, right? It's kind of yeah. like a first level explanation. A first layer explanation is I, I know that about myself that I speak my mind, but go deeper. What does that mean you speak your mind? Why do you speak your mind? What's the impact of you speaking your mind? So always constantly pushing deeper always has to be the case. And I go back to it. If it doesn't feel painful, if it doesn't feel hard for you internally to ask yourself these questions, you're not going deep enough because it all starts with the basic premise that none of us are perfect. If we accept that none of us mm. are perfect, we make mistakes, we have yeah. blind spots, you know, we think of things the wrong way sometimes, then it's a question of, well, how will I know when that happens? How will I know when that mental you know, when it breaks bad for me, yeah. is this one of those instances? And if you accept that, you know, they're out there somewhere, then you'll search for them and you'll probe and you'll never let yourself just rest on the idea of, I just speak my mind. But again, hard, takes humility. It 
feels like it takes more time. It feels woo woo. We have all these reasons why we're like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to move forward, you know, the way I typically do it. So the second question I ask everybody is that what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? It could be kind of like, I don't know, a mentor giving you some life advice. Yeah. It could be anything at all. For me, it was simple, but um, say what you mean, mean what you say. I like um, that, yeah. I spent much of my life in a lot, doing a lot of the things we're talking about here in kind of the opposite direction of I just speak my mind. I was a people pleaser. Still am. I like to say I'm a recovery yeah. people pleaser. Um, I, I was always worried about if what I said came off the right way, if I sounded stupid, if I was people liked me enough, all those types of things. And somebody told me a long time ago, say what you mean, mean what you say. And it took me a while to really let that sink yeah. in. But if you really process it, it's just it's something I remind myself in conversations and interactions to pull myself back from being a people pleaser and say, OK, do I actually mean what I'm saying? Right. There's the self-awareness yeah. comes in. And if I do mean it, then say it. Just say it exactly how I mean it. Say it how it is. Be open to somebody having a different view. But yeah. for me, that's kept me kind of grounded in, in being honest and, and true with conversation. So we, we've done kind of like the woo-woo side of it and all the theory and all the thing. Are there any actual practical exercises or techniques or something that we can we can do to to like help us become more self-aware? Yeah. I mean, a big one, which again is going to be cliche today, and you hear this a lot, but I, I've found personally, um, you, have to, you have to build this muscle, right? You have to build mm. this muscle of almost dealing with discomfort, because that's what we're really talking about. To be self-aware, you have to be willing to deal with discomfort mentally so that you can ask yourself these questions, face these inconvenient truths. So physically, I feel like that's a very easy, tangible way to do that, right? If you can physically yeah. put yourself in uncomfortable situations, whether that be going for a run, you know, exercising, doing push-ups, dieting, fasting, these are all things that I found really useful. And mm. I have a 10-year-old son, so I try and kind of give him some of these things too that help us build that muscle of discomfort so that when we are in a situation to be self-aware, we're more comfortable with the discomfort. We're mm. more able to overcome that and kind of push through it. So that's one that I think is a really good starting point of just starting to build the muscle. More specifically, though, to actually being self-aware, I, I touched on it before a little bit, I think. Perhaps my favorite exercise is asking myself the question, how would I know? Like, how would it look different if I was missing it here, if I had a blind spot in this area, right? So we go back to the example you used of, you know, I just speak my mind. Mm. Asking yourself that question and actually going through that exercise and forcing yourself to be to give tangible things, right? Yeah. How would I know if it wasn't just me speaking my mind, but I was just being a jerk? I was just yeah. being rude to people. Yeah. What would what would tell me that that was the case? And what happens oftentimes is people will go through that exercise and they say, I don't know what it would look like, but I know that's not the case. And that's the exact thing where you have to say, okay, then I have a problem here. If I can't delineate or distinguish between just speaking my mind and being rude to someone, then I have no idea. It's entirely yeah. possible that I'm just being rude here. If I can point to it and say, well, I'd have, you know, I have, I have a spouse or I have a partner who keeps me honest and is always truthful with me. Yeah. And they would tell me like, hey, you're being rude in that situation. Or maybe, right, I'm making it up. But, you know, I've done sessions where I record those sessions and I go back and I watch them and I try and be objective with it. Or maybe the feedback I'm getting from people that I work with. It doesn't guarantee anything. There's no guarantees in this world. Again, it all comes back yeah. to odds. But if you go through that exercise and you can at least give yourself some tangible ways in which you would know if it was the way you don't think it is, if it was a blind spot, okay, then, then you're in a better position. If you can't tell at all, well, then the proof's in the pudding. Right there should tell you you're not self-aware enough and you still have work to do. Yeah, I, I was going to, I've written, just written down, ask someone else, but that is very difficult to do, isn't it? Because they may be pleasing you. They may not want to upset you. They, you know, if you're asking your spouse or something and you, and you say, well, my spouse, like you said, always keeps me honest. Well, they may not actually be telling you everything. 
Yeah. Well, and, and let's even go further on that. Let's <laughs> say your spouse does tell you like, hey, John, you're being kind of a jerk in that situation. Our minds come back right again. Well, no, 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 no. She, mm. she he doesn't know what they're talking about. Or yeah. they, they didn't understand. I was actually doing this way. So it's one thing to ask somebody else. It's another thing to actually hear what they say and internalize it and believe it to be true. Still very, very hard. But it makes me think, um, I'm not going to remember the name of the book right now, but there, there's a book right now. They, they, um, it was a, about a fighter pilot. Mm. And they were talking about how when you're, when you're flying in a fighter jet, um, it's almost impossible to see anything, right? You yeah. actually can't see what's in front of you, just yeah. given the altitude and everything that's going on. And they have to rely on their instruments. The only way they don't crash into a mountain is because they have external instruments that are out there and gauges that are telling them. Yeah where things are. And I think that kind of gets to your point of asking somebody else. And perhaps there's other things you could do, like watching a recording of yourself, like, you know, asking for feedback in a survey, whatever. But I think that gets back to that humility to accept that I'm never going to be able to do this completely on my own. I'm never going to know completely on my own. I have to get outside inputs. I have to get external, you know, reads on this situation. Otherwise, you know, stick with the metaphor. I'm going to crash into that mountain and I would have no idea because I just can't trust my own eyesight enough on this. Yeah, you mentioned pushing ourselves. Do you think we push ourselves as much as we used to? Uh, as much as we used to is an interesting question. Yeah. Probably not. You know, I know that's a popular thing right now, but I think almost inherently by the way society progresses and technology and comforts, at least in a, a large portion of the world, we can't help but become more comfortable, yeah. <laughs> more, more cozy, you know, yeah. and it gets back to that discomfort piece. So I think there's a progression towards us not pushing ourselves as much. Yeah. But I would say, I think at any point in history, I think human nature has been such since we've become conscious, um, where pushing ourselves is very, very hard. Yeah. Because our mind, you know, we've all heard this before, but our mind is there to protect us. It wants us to feel comfortable. Pushing ourselves does not feel comfortable. So we're always going to have that pushback. It's always going to be a pushback. I tell my son this all the time. When he doesn't get his way and he starts kind of throwing a tantrum or getting upset, yeah. I tell him, like, in that moment, it's a guarantee you're going to feel that way. Your mind is going to tell you this is completely unfair. This is ridiculous. Everything needs to change. You know, life is broken. Like, expect that that's going to happen because that's what our mind is there to do. Yeah. So to your point, um, I think we've always had a problem pushing ourselves. I think it's a very unnatural state for us to do this, which is yeah. what makes it so hard. Yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? Because I mean, when I when I think back to kind, of, I don't know whether it's pushing yourself. It's just being generally busy. I mm. I, I was a when I look back to my twenties, I was a lot busier, and I don't just mean kind of like just working flat out, killing myself work. I don't mean that. I mean I, I used to live like you know an hour's drive from where I worked, so I had to get up at like six thirty in the morning to get to work on time but then I'd drive straight from work straight down to a girlfriend's house which was an hour or so's drive and then I'd be out with her until I don't know 10 11 o'clock and then I'd drive back and and the whole day was full do you know what I mean and I I, I worry sometimes that a lot of folk don't have that that they don't fill their lives as much Mm. why do you think that is I don't know. I'm not. Sure. I, th- I think a lot of it is a lot of it is social media based. I think mm. that that you can, you think you can get all of your entertainment just on the screen in front of you. Mm. You can get all all of your everything you need in life. You can get it from from the device in front of you. Like you can get your conversations. You can get your socialising. You can get everything just in front of you. So there's no need to go out. But I, I don't think that's that's true. Mm. Well, it's an interesting point because I, I do feel that as well about social mm. media devices in general. I mean, we, we've all, most of us, we've all seen the, the data, the science, the documentaries, whatever it might be that, you know, there, there are cognitive psychologists working on these apps and these mm. devices yeah. to make yeah. sure that they exploit these weak <laughs> yes. points in our mind that we've been talking about. So 
it would make perfect sense to what you're saying, John, to where somebody feels like, yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. Like I, I've got yeah. everything I need right here. And we actually believe it because it's literally exploiting the parts of our mind that want to yeah. believe that's true, that want things to be easier, that don't want to push ourselves as much, that don't want to do as much. Um, so I think that's a very real thing. And all the more reason why I think self-awareness and understanding ourselves and being honest with ourselves, because it's not only just a battle against ourselves anymore, it's a battle against technology yeah. and social media and all these you know, things that are out there trying to pull us in a different direction. And so the third question uh, I ask everybody is kind of like, what's your favorite waste of time, your secret procrastination? Everybody does it that nobody kind of like is so focused that they never waste a bit of time. Yeah, what, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's probably still, which is right on point. We were just saying um, YouTube, going on YouTube, watching <laughs> yes, videos, yes. Um, just kind of going down that rabbit hole. I'm oh, big yeah. into, uh, I've started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and martial arts. Right. So it's funny because usually it'll start watching some of those videos. And I say, I can tell myself, right, not being honest, well, this is productive. This is a skill I want to learn. So, But before I know it, I'm watching, you know, some comedian or I'm watching something completely not related yeah. to that and a waste of time. Um, so, yeah, that's probably still my biggest procrastination. Yeah, I like that. I've, I've just bought a record player. Would you believe it? I mean, like, I, I, I got I got, I got rid of mine in, like, 1980-something or other, but, like, I just bought a record player, so I'm wasting my time at the moment trying to find out all that vinyl I threw away. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know that's a way. That seems like a good one, though. I like that one. That seems healthier. Um, tell me a little bit about your podcast. Um, what's, yeah. the, what's the value? What's the value? What's the value? So, yeah, I started doing it. Uh, it's got to be going on almost two years, two, three years now, um, exactly. And it was... You know, I, as you can imagine, I'm a very kind of philosophical, questioning, self-reflective type person. And it hit a point where I started to realize um, I'm a little bit too much in my own head. I, I'd really love to crowdsource this a little bit and understand other people's perspective on yeah. life, how they think about the meaning of this whole thing. So um, I said, you know what, I'm going to do a podcast. And usually at the end of the conversation, we'd start to realize like, oh, that's what you value most or that's what you think is important yeah. in life. So I decided to flip it on its head a little bit. And start with the question, what, what do you value most in life? What guides your decisions? What do you think that is? Um, and then very much in the vein of what we've been talking about here, we then have a very organic conversation for about 30, 40 minutes where I just ask questions about it. Like in very much the vein we're talking about, not, not accusatory, not anything, just genuinely mm -hmm. curious to say, oh, that's why that value? And how do you know that's actually the true value? Does it guide your life in that way? And what about this? And what about that? Um, so a very exploratory conversation. And I've had it, I've done probably 250 now, all different types of people, all different yeah. walks of life. Um, some people that are, you know, politicians or business people or athletes, whatever. But what I love is just everyday people as well. Um, and fascinating, just fascinating to hear and get a peek inside somebody's perspective, understand how they think, spend some time in their mind a little bit. Um, just because I think we're all trying to make sense of this mm. thing. <laughs> what are we doing here? What is life? Yeah. So to hear other perspectives on it, I find really, really valuable. And everybody's got a great story inside of them, haven't they? Yeah. 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 If, you, if you really press it and, and listen to it, exactly like this yeah. type of conversation, when you ask the questions, when you're genuinely curious, yeah. there's so you can learn from any person in the world. No matter what their story yeah. is, there's something valuable there to be learned. And, and I take it you've learned a lot from the, the conversations you've had. I have. I definitely have. I mean, all sorts of different things. I, honest, if I'm being honest, probably the thing that I've noticed most is I'm not a particularly spiritual person. Hmm. Um, I grew up Catholic, but not particularly religious by any means. Through these conversations, I wouldn't say I'm religious at this point, but definitely more spiritual through these yeah. conversations to get to hear from people that are spiritual, why they feel that way, the things that it brings to their lives. 
um, it's opened my mind a little bit more to yeah. that. And I found myself getting a little more spiritual through it. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm exactly the same with this because when I first started, the, the idea of the podcast was to try and, and look holistically at productivity because I think mm. every aspect of your life affects your productivity at, at, and different things at different points of your life affect it. And, and, the one, and I was very much sort of like, oh, this woo-woo stuff is self-analysis, mm -hmm. looking at it, ah, what a load of rubbish, just get on with it. Just mm -hmm. do your job, get on with it, work hard. And, and listening to other people and listening to you, you can, uh, you can understand why that's important, can't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah totally agree, totally yeah. agree. And it's, it's um, the working hard is part of it, like we said before, yeah. right? It's yeah, not yeah, that, yeah. and I think that people make that mistake sometimes. They, I'm yeah. not saying you're doing that, but some people, oh, okay, so it's not just about, it's not working hard at all. It's just, you know, the woo-woo stuff, it's self-analysis. No, it's actually both, as it yeah. often is, right? It's a balance yeah. between it's those bit, two. Yeah. You definitely still need to work hard, but yeah. And, and I found just on the on the on the big picture side of it, um, it helps me with humility. I think hmm. to 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 accept the idea that I don't know, know exactly why we're here. I don't know who created yeah. us. I don't know where it came from. Uh, maybe there is something bigger than us. I don't know why the universe is as vast as it is. Yeah. Those are those woo woo things that yeah. on the surface can sound like well, that's not useful for us to talk about right now. But for me, on a very logical very very practical way it helps keep me grounded so that i can actually do some of these things we're practicing and, and be less sure of the things that my mind is telling me i should be absolutely sure of so i think all these things have a place it's just finding how they fit in what works for you um i think that's a big piece of it because for some people it's not going to work as well and it just yeah. doesn't resonate the same and that's okay but at least you know why right you can kind of go from there so i think that's that's still a big piece of it yeah fascinating lovely chat enjoyed this um so give us some website links and social media yeah. bits and stuff so folks can yeah find yeah it. so so the the podcast is on you know spotify apple iTunes, mm -hmm. you know all the places where you get podcasts uh, as i mentioned before what's the value podcast mm -hmm. is is the instagram that's kind of my main social media account um and then for the for the business side the, the startup that i founded uh called streetwise lab that's streetwiselab.com and, and you'll see it's 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 us trying to bring a lot of these same skills and techniques to kids yeah. Um, but actually using business as the medium to do so. So we kind of keep, teach like a case method approach uh, to different business concepts for kids to kind of make it engaging. But through that, they're constantly thinking about decisions they have to make as a CEO, as a business owner. Yeah. So it gives them that repetition of practicing this questioning and understanding themselves and the situation. So that's streetwiselab.com. Fantastic. What I'll do, I'll stick a load of links in the show notes and folks can just um, tap on those. John, this was awesome. Visit. I love Brilliant. these conversations. I love no, you lovely. This. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, thanks, Terry. Much appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks again to Terry for his time. Don't forget to check out all the links in the show notes. There's a link to the What's the Value podcast in there. Uh, subscribe to the pod. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, it's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, absolutely everywhere. Just search for the Triple T Productivity Podcast. Thanks for listening.